Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Brother Steve mentioned our pastor, Brother Alan, was invited to speak at a church this morning, their 150th homecoming celebration. And so Brother Alan is, I think, over in Illinois at Waldo Baptist Church preaching this morning and bringing a message. And so pray for him because he's probably preaching right now. So uh, sure good to be with y'all this morning. Before we get started, I just want to say quickly, y'all, my family and I, we so appreciate your love and just how y'all have reached out to us and just brought us in to be a part of your family. And uh, thank you, Jenny. Y'all, y'all don't understand uh, just how much it means to us. The way y'all reached out to us, you opened your hearts, your lives, and uh, the way our kids have built such great friendships with kiddos here. And, and my wife and I, we love the Summer Connect group and getting to know new people. And uh, it's just been such a blessing to us. So thank you all so much for being family uh, and loving us. And so uh, this morning, I want to start off with a question. Has anybody ever uh, read a book or watched a movie that you really enjoy? You got caught up in the plot, the characters as they're developed, you get to know the characters, and as a book or the movie reaches a climax, it suddenly ends. And you're like, what? There, but what happens next? And you this unended, yes, she has. Thank you. <laughs> Anybody else? I have up two hands. Several of us. It's so funny. My daughter, my oldest daughter, recently, thanks to some friends here, uh, she got started watching a series of uh, movies about dinosaurs. And uh, the fifth in that series recently came out. And so I sat and watched the series with her, catching up. And so when the new one came out, I went and watched it with her. And it's funny. Um, I actually enjoyed the last one. Probably the most of all the movies in that series, I really enjoyed the last one the most, and I uh, had a good plot to it, and the character development is really good, and actually, I was really getting into it, and as it reached the climax, they rescued the dinosaurs from this island that's crumbling through volcano, and, and as they get them all off the island and rescued, just when the book, the movie seems to end on a good note, and the people have actually learned their lesson, all of a sudden, <laughs> something happens, and I don't want to spoil it, but at the end, you're like, what just happened? No! I mean, that was literally my response. You can ask my daughter. I was going, no! Uh, <laughs> guys, I think that's the same response Jesus' disciples had as Jesus rose from the grave, and uh, Brother Allen has done an excellent job the last few weeks sharing with us uh, the Great Commission, some of Jesus' last words with the disciples. And, uh, and, and Jesus, he, he gave his disciples, he reminded them, listen, you have the authority and the power so that as you are going and disciple, you do it teaching and baptizing. And it's, it's, it's amazing. Luke, he, in his gospel account, Luke adds a little bit more information to those last days and last moments that Jesus had with his disciples. And we're going to read in Acts chapter 1. 
verses 1 through 11. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to follow along with us. Acts 1, verses 1 through 11. And you understand that Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. Luke also wrote Acts of the Apostles. And so really, what we're picking up is part two of what Luke originally wrote as one historical account, one eyewitness account of the ministry, the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, and now the birth of the early Christian church. And so join me in Acts 1, verses 1 through 11. And um, so Luke says, verse 1, the first account I've composed, Theophilus, this is who he's addressing his letter to, he says about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven. After he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen, to these he also presented himself alive after suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6, so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? <laughs> Still reveals a little confusion on their part, doesn't it? It's interesting, the, the Israelites, the Jews that believed in Jesus, they recognized that he had fulfilled prophecy. They recognized that he was the Messiah. But they were still confused because they were thinking that Jesus was coming as a leader to lead the nation of Israel out of Roman pagan rule and lead the nation of Israel into a separate, independent Israelite nation to basically help the Israelite nation be independent. And so you see here the Israelites, the followers, the disciples that hung out with Jesus for three, three and a half years, and Jesus' last moments with them, they're still expressing some confusion as to what Jesus has in mind. And Jesus, he didn't answer the question. He just kind of skips and he says, you know what, guys? Verse 7, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. And so after he said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of sight. Now picture, this is what the disciples were doing. They're listening to Jesus, and they're watching him ascend. And like, I mean, I picture in my mind, that's exactly their reaction. And they're like, this can't be the end. Where is he going? And so uh, in verse 9, uh, I'm sorry, verse 10. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside him. And they said, hey, guys, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into the sky? This Jesus, who you're looking at, who, you're, who has been taken up from you into heaven, he will come in just the same way as you've watched him go into heaven. And so here we have this moment. And the disciples, they're watching their Savior ascend into heaven, and, it's, and he's, he's gone. And so, there's a few things I think that Jesus told them right before he ascended that were so important for them to understand, so important for them to get. And those things that Jesus told them 
are so important not only to the disciples then, but also just as important to us. And so today, as we look at these scriptures, as our kiddos go back to school this week, I think this is a timely opportunity uh, to examine just what the Lord had in mind, not only for disciples, but for also for us. And I want to encourage you all to take this, and as we go back to school, go back with boldness, go back knowing uh, that you have Christ with you, and you stand on the truth of Jesus Christ. So first thing I want to point out, Acts 1, verse 3. Verse 3 says, To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Jesus wanted to impress upon them that he was the resurrection and the life. He wanted to make sure that they were fully convinced that he was Lord, that he was resurrected, that he was alive, that it wasn't a rumor. You know, after he's gone, you know, there's going to be rumors of, well, did he really, you know, maybe they hallucinated. You know, these are all rumors we still hear today. Jesus made it a point to present many convincing proofs of his resurrection. And so, does anybody remember the, uh, the dialogue that Jesus had with Martha? You know, Martha and Mary's brother Lazarus had died. They buried him. He'd been dead three or four days. So Jesus takes his time. He gets there a few days late. Jesus, you know, Lazarus is dead. And so Martha comes running up. So she, she sees Jesus approaching. She comes running up. And Jesus, he asks her, he says, Martha. Martha, he says, listen, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, this is John 11, 25 through 27. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and life. Do you believe this, Martha? And she said, yes. Guess what? Right here in Acts chapter 1, before Jesus ascends into heaven, he proves he is the resurrection. He proves he is the author, the source of life. And there is hope that we can build our lives upon. You see also testimony of lives that have been converted and changed. You know, even today we have skeptics who try to poke holes in the Christian um, historical account of the Jesus who really did live. Guys, this isn't a story. This isn't a fable. Children, listen to me. The Bible stories you're learning, these aren't just made up. These are real events that occurred in history. And you can build your life upon Jesus Christ, who is real. He's living and active. He's our Lord and Savior, who is alive, and He is with us today, those who trust and walk with Him. And so, uh, even some today would discount um, Christianity as, you know, Jesus was just some, uh, He's just a teacher. He wasn't really a God like He claimed He was, just a good moral teacher. Others would make the statements that, uh, well, maybe he's just a some religious fanatic. Okay, he was falling off the deep end. He made up all this stuff, tried to get a bunch of people to follow him. Um, and other people today even believe that Jesus was just, you know, Christianity is just another option. Okay, we have all these world religions, and some people just have a tendency to say, you know what, Christianity is just another option to reach, you know, maybe spiritual life or God beyond death or some sort of spiritual enlightenment. But guys, that's not true. That's not true. Jesus Christ proved without uh, any doubt, he proved that he rose from the dead. 
In fact, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I think Miss um, Caitlin's going to have on the board. 1 Corinthians 15, as Paul is writing to the church, we look at verses 3 to 8. Paul reminds the, the early church at Corinth. He reminds them, Paul says, uh, 15 verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas, Peter, and then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. And this is interesting. Verse 7, Paul mentions, Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. That's what Paul writes. Why does Paul mention that? He's reminding the believers, many of whom did not know Jesus. Many of the believers of the early Christian church had not met Jesus. But Paul is writing and reminding them, listen, Jesus is real. This Savior that we preach, he's live. He is Lord. He is Savior. And guess what? There's 500 witnesses that have seen it. You don't believe me, Paul says? Ask one of them. Many of them are still alive. Go ask them. They'll tell you. Jesus really did die. He really did raise from the dead. He really is ascended into heaven. And I think, uh, you know, there's some other examples, proof of the reality of Jesus. We see that in the transformed lives of some of his disciples. You know, the disciples were willing to die for their testimony of Jesus Christ. You have James. Does anybody know who James is? Why would Paul mention James? James was Jesus' half-brother. And during Jesus' ministry on earth, James and some of his Jesus' other half-brothers and sisters, they were a little skeptical. A little skeptical of Jesus and the claims he was making and all these people following him. In fact, uh, at one point we see a record in the Gospels that the brothers, the sisters, they kind of, uh, they kind of poked a little fun. It was like, Really, Jesus? You know, if you're who you say you are, why don't you go up to Jerusalem? That's what everybody else is doing. You know, if you really want to gather a crowd, now's the time to do it, okay? And so they really kind of just, uh, they were a little bit skeptical. But we see after the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus, we see later on in Acts that James, his life is transformed. He believes he becomes one of the three pillars of the early church in Jerusalem. Their lives are changed. The apostles... Paul, who started off with Saul, he was a very zealous Pharisee. Guess what happened to him? Anybody remember? He set out as a Pharisee, zealous for Jewish law. He set out persecuting the church, putting into this whole Jesus movement. But guess what? Jesus himself stopped Paul in his tracks, revealed himself to Paul. And Paul's life was forever changed and transformed. Guys, Jesus over and over proves he is who he says he is. Offers many convincing proofs. I know for a fact there are some here today who still have doubts, who may be questioning the reality of Jesus. I can't assume that every person here is a Christian, committed follower of Christ. And, you, and, and for those few of you that are here, you may be asking, Cheyenne, that's all well and good. You know, you're, you're proving from the Bible that what the Bible records is true. But, Shine, is there any proof outside the Bible? 
Is there any proof outside the Bible to prove that what the Bible says is true? Is there? I'm going to take it a step farther. I'm going to say, yes, there is. And I'm going to go beyond that, and I'm going to say, guys, listen up. We can look at historical accounts of writers who were hostile to Christianity, whose goal was to shut down, to write off Christianity as something foolish. We can look at those accounts, and we can glean from those accounts truths about who Jesus is. So we're going to look at some information that a gentleman who is an atheist, James Warner Wallace, anybody heard the name? Warner Wallace, he wrote Cold Case Christianity. He set out as an atheist, as a cold case investigator, he set out to look at the gospel uh, eyewitness accounts as possible uh, to see if there's any truth in it about Jesus. And in the process, he started looking at other historical documents, documents written by people who are hostile to Christianity. And from these documents, he looked at authors like Thallus and Pliny the Younger and Suetonius and Cornelius Tacitus and Marbar Serpion and Phlegon and Lucian of Semisoda and Celsus and Josephus, who is a Jew historian, and looked at the Jewish Talmud and what it described. And he looked at the Toledot Yeshua. And, and in these documents, all of which contain his hostile information about Christianity, Mr. Wallace was able to summarize some things that they alluded to as facts that others knew about. And when he gathered these facts together, this is what he concluded. Okay, Check this out. Remember, what I'm about to read to you are facts gathered from individuals who did not like Christianity, who tried to write it off. But when you bring all those facts together, this is what they contribute. We know from these hostile writers that Jesus was born and lived in Palestine. He was born supposedly to a virgin and had an earthly father who was a carpenter. He was a teacher who taught that by repentance and belief, all followers would become brothers and sisters. He led the Jews away from their beliefs. He was a wise man who claimed to be God, the Messiah. This Jesus had unusual magical powers and performed miraculous deeds. He healed the lame. He accurately predicted the future. He was persecuted by the Jews for what he said, betrayed by Judah Iscariot. He was beaten with rods, forced to drink vinegar, wear a crown of thorns, crucified on the eve of the Passover. His crucifixion occurred under the direction of Pontius Pilate during the time of Tiberius. On the day of his crucifixion, the sky grew dark. There was an earthquake, and afterward he was buried in a tomb, and the tomb was later found to be empty. He appeared to his disciples, resurrected from the grave, and showed them his wounds. These disciples then told others that Jesus was resurrected and ascended into heaven. Jesus' followers and, and his disciples, they upheld a high moral code. One of them was named Matthew. The disciples were also persecuted for their faith, but were martyred without changing their claims. And they met regularly to worship Jesus, even after his death. All of that is evidence, facts that were alluded to by hostile Christians. Now you tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. That's pretty cool how God can use man's attempts to write off, to put down, to try to destroy Christianity. And yet when you gather that evidence and look at it, it backs up. It's evidence for the reality of what God's word says. And so Jesus, one of his main things he emphasized before he sent to heaven is that, listen, guys, I'm the resurrection of life. Jesus made it a point to prove that to his disciples. 
He wanted them to know without a doubt that he was man and God. He was the Messiah, as he talked about, as he described, as was prophesied. Okay, number two, believers, Jesus says in Acts 1, 4-5, believers are given power through baptism by the Holy Spirit. So if you want to join me in Acts chapter 1, we'll look at verses 4 and 5. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. John the Baptist came baptizing in water. And you look in Matthew, uh, I think Matthew chapter... Uh, Matthew chapter 3, verses 6 through 11, uh, they give us a hint at, uh, at John as he's baptizing, what he explains his baptism. Later on, we see uh, in Luke, at the very end of Luke chapter 24, verses 49, Jesus, he explains uh, that this baptism is promised from the Father. He clothes us with, clothes us with power on high. Acts 19.4 also verifies that Jesus's bab John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Okay? John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. But what is this baptism by the Holy Spirit? What is that? What is Jesus referencing? Well, Luke gave us some information in his account of what Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. Jesus taught the disciples about the Holy Spirit, who it is. In chapter 11 of Luke, Jesus mentioned that the Holy Spirit was a gift from the Father. You can't earn or pay for it. You can't uh, try to buy the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. That God gives freely. We see in Luke 12, verse 12, Jesus mentioned that the Holy Spirit will be our teacher. And so, um, has anybody ever been at a point where you're in a tough situation, you just don't know how to handle it, you don't know what to say or how to respond or even how to help someone? Has anybody ever been at a point like that in your life? Well, guess what? God's Spirit... His Holy Spirit is a teacher that will guide and direct us, that will help us. And um, if you want to know more information about the Holy Spirit and what Jesus taught, you can look at John chapters 14, 15, and 16, where Jesus explains more clearly the Holy Spirit and, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so as we look at John uh, Acts chapter 4, and verse 4, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, Jesus says, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptized with the Holy Spirit. What do you think that means? Well, if you look in the Greek, the word for baptize is baptizo. I'm sure I did not pronounce it correctly, but it's, it's baptizo. And that word insinuates to be immersed, to be submerged. So when Jesus says you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit, we'll be will be immersed by God's Spirit. Think about that for a minute. Okay, Old Testament. God was... He may have dwelt in a temple among the people, but He was not dwelling in the hearts of people. He was still Old Testament law. God was separate. He was a personal loving God, but He was not dwelling in the hearts of people. The New Testament. 
That's where God says he pours his spirit into the hearts of people. You see that in Peter's sermon in chapter 2 of Acts. So this baptism, um, believers by faith that trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, by faith we are immersed in God's Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul, as he writes to the church at Ephesus, he explains a little bit more clearly this baptism. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, he says, In him, in Christ, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Guys, that is really cool. God gives us his spirit as a, as a seal. As we are immersed in God's spirit, he gives it as a seal, as a, as a promise of salvation, and we are sealed in him. So the question is, in Christ, can you lose your salvation? The answer is no. If you are sealed by the Holy Spirit, if you're in Christ, Christ is in you. He is with you. And you cannot lose your salvation. That's the beauty of, and when you take the fact that God's Spirit is with you, and you couple that with the fact that Jesus emphasized to his followers, listen, I'm the resurrection of life. Think about the hope, the joy that gives us. Death doesn't seem such a terrible thing anymore. Jesus has conquered death. And he promises just as he's with us now, he'll be with us. Beyond. Death is just a door to fully knowing God because we are in Him. The last thing I want to emphasize, or I want to point out that Jesus emphasizes in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus says to his followers, right before he ascends, he says, Listen, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both to Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Jesus is saying, listen, this is how I want you to, to go. And as you're going and discipling, this is, this is where I want you to start. Now, as I uh, come to Christ in college, and as I was um, growing up in church, and one thing I was, I guess, well, maybe it's just me, but I've always just seen that as kind of a geographical set of instructions. Okay, I always saw it just as geographically Jesus wants us to start here in Jerusalem, or that would represent our, our, maybe our family, our community, and then Judea, Samaria, it's like our state, the nation we live in, the remotest parts of the earth. Okay? I've always, for the longest time, I thought of that as just a kind of a geographical plan uh, to be his witness. However, uh, even though the book of Acts kind of follows that plan, um, we see the disciples starting there in Jerusalem, and they take the gospel to surrounding areas, and Philip goes to Samaria, and uh, we see them. And really, the book of Acts kind of ends in Rome, where Paul's at in Rome. Uh, but we know that Rome's not the end of the earth. So could it be that Jesus meant something more than just geographically? And I think Brother Allen's right when he referred to it last week. Brother Allen's talking about, you know, Jesus, he's challenging his followers to go uh, culturally, Culturally, to people around us, people in this nation, people that are on the 
cultures that are far ends of the earth. And you know what? To be honest with you, the United States, the United States is with one of the top ten most unreached countries in the world. We have so many different cultures. This nation is still a melting pot of cultures. And we have so many opportunities right here in the United States to reach cultures that extend to the remotest part of the earth. And so just as a church family, I want to encourage us, how can we prayerfully, strategically um, be a witness, even here? And I want to share with you something that I was challenged with um, on this scripture. I had a good friend of mine by the name of Brother Joe Schmidt. And Brother Joe asked him one time, he said, Shine, where did Jesus challenge his disciples to go? He's like, well, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and most parts of the earth. He said, Shine, is two out of four good enough? Is two out of four good enough? He said, what about three out of four? Is that, you know, if we can just get three out of four, it's good enough. And what Joe challenged me with is not at all what I expected. Because I'm thinking geographically, you know, how can we impact the world? But Joe challenged me at this. He said, Cheyenne, where is your Samaria? Where's your church of Samaria? I said, what do you mean, Joe? He started explaining to me. He said, Cheyenne, who are the Samaritans? And we see a glimpse in John 4, you know, in Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well. We see a glimpse that this woman at the well and the other Samaritans, they were kind of confused as to where to worship. Lord, they said, well, we worship God on our mountain here in Samaria. And you Jews say we're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. But Jesus kind of corrects her thinking. And you also see, you know, the narrator's comments in John where, you know, it's mentioned that the Jews did not associate with Samaritans. And so the, the disciples, they were confused. Why would Jesus be talking to a Samaritan woman? So Jews, they avoided Samaritans. The Samaritans were obviously confused about where to worship God. They were worshiping God in the wrong spot. They had no idea what they are doing. The Jews had a tendency to kind of look down on Samaritans because when the Israelite nation uh, was uh, returned to the promised land out of exile, the Jews, they to maintain the Jew, um, to maintain their Jew uh, traditions and their Jew uh, culture, they married only Jews, but the Samaritans had a tendency to kind of marry other Gentile nations and marry other pagan, uh, marry into other pagan families. And so the the, Jew the Gentiles were kind of uh, looked upon by the Jews as like a half breed. You know, they're not, they're not, uh, they're not full-blooded Jew. They're not worshiping God in the right spot. And so the Jews had a tendency to really look down upon Samaritans. And Joe asked me the question, said, Cheyenne, where is your where are the people in your life that you have a tendency to avoid? Where are the people that you have a tendency uh, to look down upon? You just you don't have any patience with them. Um, you just have kind of a negative mentality toward them. He said, Cheyenne, where is your Samaria? Church, where is your, where's our Samaria? Where, individuals, believers, where are the people we have a tendency to avoid? Students, 
as we go back to school this week? Who are the people in our lives, in our classes, at the lunchroom, that we have a tendency to avoid? We kind of write them off as being weird. We don't associate with them. We don't, you know, they have a tendency to kind of be annoying and sometimes stinky, and we just don't really want anything to do. Jesus is encouraging us to go to them as well. So I want to encourage you, as we return to school, as we, as a church, as we uh, transition, I want to encourage you, let's prayerfully consider and ask the Lord to reveal to us, maybe the people we're overlooking, let's ask the Lord to open our hearts to those who need the gospel. Hey, like it or not, we're Gentiles. I wasn't born a Jew. <laughs> we don't deserve but God chose to show us love, to pull us into his family. And just as we have experienced God's love and grace, let's take that and show it to others who need God's love and grace. Amen. So, as we close, uh, I just want to encourage, I want to tell you a story of a friend of mine, Roger Adkins. Roger, a recovering drug addict, he, uh, just a good friend. And uh, I'll be honest with you, uh, in ministry, I, you know, there's parts of town I would avoid. Uh, there are certain gas stations I'd go to to fill up church vans. And I would do that because the gas station just wasn't very clean. It's real close to the church. It wasn't very clean. It was, you know, it was, it was run by some Middle Eastern people. I didn't understand half of what they were saying, and they let things kind of be run down. But you know what Roger did? Every day, every week, he would intentionally go and get gas at this gas station close to church because he wanted to build a relationship. He wanted to build a relationship with someone from the other side of the world who brought their family over. He wanted to build a relationship with someone that I, I'll be honest with you, I had a tendency to avoid. I hate to admit that. But Roger saw past that. And Roger was seriously looking for opportunities to reach cultures that God had brought to us right here in his own community. And so just as a church, I want to challenge us. Let's be intentional. Students, I want to challenge Let's be intentional as we go back to school. Families, as we go to work this week, let's be intentional. Let's ask the Lord to open our eyes, our hearts, to those around us who need the gospel, who need love and forgiveness, the grace and truth that we love. Let's take that and share it with those around us. So as we close, I just want to, I just want to remind you um, of what Jesus reminded his followers. Guys, listen, we can boldly, boldly build our lives on Jesus Christ because he is the resurrection and life. Amen. He is the resurrection and life. We can boldly build our lives upon him. Jesus proved it. We see that in other hostile accounts, the, the reality of Jesus. We see it in the transformed lives of his disciples. And just in the same way you and me, we can boldly share our faith knowing that Jesus is real, but also knowing that we are sealed with His Spirit. God's presence is with us. And that gives us boldness. He's our, the Spirit is a teacher. He will guide and direct us. So let's ask the Lord to use us. Let's ask the Lord as we go to, to think about and to consider even those who have a tendency to look down upon and avoid. Let's look at opportunities for how we can share Christ and God's love with them as well. And so today as we end, as we close, I just want to invite 
I want to invite you, if you personally have never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're still skeptical, if you're still trying to wrap your brain around who Jesus is, hey, I can testify to his impact in my life. Jesus is real. He's alive. He's well. He's living active. And I promise you this, life is so much more fun with God's Spirit and presence. I promise you that. And so you may be messing around with the things of this world. I'm going to tell you, I have more fun walking with Christ than the things of this world. And so I just want to invite you, you know, it's pretty simple. You know, Paul explained it real, real simply in Romans 10, verses 9 to 10. He said, listen, guys, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you confess with the mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. Did you hear that? For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth confesses, resulting in salvation. We are born spiritually dead. We are born spiritually dead. And to be honest with you, we don't deserve. We don't deserve God's love and grace. But God loves us so much that he reaches out. He wants us to be a part of his family. And if you're not a part of that family, if you're still feel distant and separated from God, I want to invite you. I want to invite you. Trust in Christ. And listen, God loves you. And life in Christ is a wonderful thing. And I want to encourage you, let's as a body of Christ, let's take this love and let's share that with our community, with our schools as we, we go to school this week. And so, let's close in prayer. And as we close in prayer, um, we're going back to school this week. I want to invite our teachers. I want to invite our teachers. Um, there's a lot of people in this room who are making a huge impact in our schools. They're being light. In a time where it's easy to, to complain about what's going on in the public schools and what's being taught and uh, the apathy and that the, the ideology has been shoved down our kids' throats, I'm here to tell you, we've got some great schools. And I know there's some people in this room that are making a huge impact in the lives of kids. And it's not easy being a public school teacher. It's not easy homeschooling your kids either. I get that. And so I want to invite, as we close in prayer, I want to invite our teachers to come up. I want to invite our students. Y'all, come on up. And we want to close in prayer for you guys. And, and if you have a prayer request, you want someone to pray with you, if you, maybe you just want to pray to accept Christ and trust in Him, you're ready to give your heart and life to Christ, I want to invite you to come as well. So, church, if you're a teacher, come on down. If you're a student, come on down. And let's gather and let's pray around them. And let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Come on up here, guys. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.